Today we're going deep on outbound process. Uh, wanted to take this one solo just to you know clearly outline a targeted outbound approach that nets 30 to 40% reply rate and is gonna net you high quality meetings with the right folks at your target accounts. There is no magic bullet or shortcut here, right? There is no magic template email or magic phone call script that's gonna get you to that 30 to 40% reply rate number. Um, and if you want these results, right, and, and really to master the craft of being an outbound SDR, this is for you. But again, if you're happy sending generic emails to hundreds of people, aimlessly cold calling, and you know, you're having some decent success, then you, know, you should probably turn off the episode right now. But I'm going to talk about you know, different kinds of outbound prospects, how to find them, how to research them. But what's more important is the prospecting methodology. Um, to understand this before we kind of start. And, and this is the strategy that underpins the entire approach, right? This is a very high quality end-to-end -end outbound strategy. So you're surfacing, you're finding quality contacts, you're doing quality research on these contacts, you're putting these contacts into a quality sequence that gives you the best chance to hear back from them, and using the quality research you did, you're using quality messaging, value-first messaging. Right, so again, in sales guys, quality in is the only way to get quality out. And this is the core principle of this outbound approach. That's why you see those reply rates are so high. And more than just reply rates, guys, um, you're gonna be connecting with senior level decision makers, right? So if you're an outbound SDR or an inbound SDR, and one of the challenge you, challenges you see in your current workflow is that you're really connecting with lower level people and you're constantly getting feedback from the field about, hey, this person wasn't low level enough, you know, we're talking at an analyst level, um, this is for you. So let's talk sequence, right? There is nothing canned, there is no scripts in this sequence. I'm sorry, again, if you guys were looking for a magic sequence or a magic script, this is not the episode for you. Every touch is custom to the individual. Every single touch. Now there are some ways to make that easier on you so it's not such a manual process and we'll go into those, but I want you guys to know and it's important to have the mindset when you're outbounding to high level key decision makers that you cannot waste an activity, right? You cannot aimlessly cold call, you cannot send a canned message that's not relevant to the person because you're going after the right people at the right accounts, you really need to put your best foot forward with value first messaging, both for yourself, but also for your company's brand. Right? If you are kind of burning bridges, and believe me, you will burn bridges with bad prospecting approaches, you know, these are not the accounts, these are not the people that over the long term you or your company want to burn bridges with. So it's important to remember and, and keep that mindset kind of throughout this approach. So the sequence here is it's about 20 to 25 touches over the four to six week span. And that's a multi-channel approach, right? So I always look at it in terms of three, three main channels. Email is your first channel. Phone is your second channel. Social is your third channel. There's a stat out there that if you only email, your average reply rate is 3%. If you only email and call in, in, uh, together, your reply rate is 7%. If you email, call, and reach out via social, your reply rate is 11%. So again, this sequence triples that 11% and you're going to be seeing about 33%, but it's important to remember that all channels are very important to reach out to the prospect, right? Um, some prospects are more inclined to answering emails. 
Some are more inclined to pick up the phones. Some are more active on social media. So again, you need to meet your prospect where you are and you need to give yourself the best chance uh, to get that reply from the prospect. That's why we reach out over these three channels. Just to cap this off, I'm, I'm seeing about six to seven emails, about eight phone calls, and about three social touches, again, over about a four to, to six week business uh, cycle. Another important factor is the first touch you do needs to be not only the most quality, but it needs to be through every single channel, right? So the first day of this sequence is what I call a triple touch, where you're sending a custom email, you're following that up with a, a phone call and a voicemail, and you're sending a custom connection request to that individual on LinkedIn, right? Really the psychology behind this is right out of the gates, I wanna get on this person's radar with my best foot forward, right? Best email, you're calling, you're leaving a voicemail, and you're sending a customized LinkedIn connection request. That's pretty powerful. And again, even if you don't get that initial response on that first day, that first triple touch, um, that will land you on this person's radar. And as you continue to reach out, they're gonna remember that initial reach out that you did and it's gonna help you stand out in their mind. The messaging that we're sending here is based on the research that you've done on the individual and the company. And in order to scale this approach, um, and so you're not writing a brand new email from scratch every single time, it's a very, very, very good idea to have semi-customizable semi templates already built up for each potential type of email that you're gonna write. Let me break that down a little bit, right? So I call these triggers. This is a John Barrows methodology. And when we're researching our contacts, we're looking for triggers, right? We're looking for, there's about five to eight common core triggers. So as long as we know what to look for, we're probably gonna find one, two, three, or four triggers on each individual prospect. So it's a very smart idea to have a library of semi-customizable templates that are mapped back to each one of these common triggers ready to go. Because again, if you're reaching out to 50 or 60 prospects in a given week, chances are that you're probably gonna be reusing some of the same triggers uh, and research, but you're gonna be you know, reaching out to that different individual and person. Some of the triggers that I have seen stay consistent over five or six years of prospecting. One is compelling LinkedIn profiles. LinkedIn is a fantastic one-stop shop for finding triggers on people. Um, you can look at where they're born, where they live. You can look at their background photo, see if it shares anything personal about them. You can look at their own personal description, see if it shows anything about them as an individual or their current job and responsibility. You can look at their job descriptions, understand what types of tools they're using, what they're focused on, and again, tie that back to your product or service. You can look at old, old companies that they used to work for. You know, have any companies that they worked for in the past, are they currently a customer of your current product? That's a great reference point. You can even go as deep as looking into people's LinkedIn recommendations, right? Kind of bringing up any common themes that people are recommending these prospects are is a nice personal touch. So LinkedIn description is one trigger email that you want to have ready to go. Another one is the annual report, the 10K report trigger, right? This is probably the most mature business impactful type research you can do on a prospect. And look, if you go to a VP or an economic buyer with a very clear and powerful message of, hey, I just spent my, you know, my morning researching your, ten, your, your annual report and I saw this 
here's how I think I can help you achieve your top line goals. That's very powerful. That's going to separate you from other SDRs out there. And that's going to give you a nice chance of landing that meeting. Another trigger uh, that I look for a lot is companies that are hiring, right? Are the companies that you're reaching out to, are they hiring for roles that are specific to the product or service you sell? For example, if companies are hiring data analysts and you sell an analytics product, can you pitch that, right? And you can say, hey, I saw that you're hiring data analysts. You know, a common reason people hire data analysts is to keep up with all the demand from the business for data. What if instead of hiring an additional analyst, you invested that money in a technology that allowed you to scale that across the organization and get data out to business people faster, right? That's a compelling value first business email. Another one is if the company's in the news or if the individual is, you know, active on Twitter or is, you know, sharing or posting things on LinkedIn. And then my last and, and one of my more favorite ones is, did this prospect ever work at a company that, that is now a customer of ours, right? So whatever it is, whatever the trigger is for you, and I just listed about six there, it's important to understand your common list of triggers, both from the research perspective, but also from the ability to scale your email outreach perspective, right? And again, come up with five or six common triggers that you're going to look for in the research process, and then map those triggers back to semi-customizable templates. And these semi-customizable templates, they follow the John Barrows methodology for how to write an email, right? And if you guys haven't seen this or heard about this, this is what he calls the why you, why you now framework. So think about that. Why you? That's the first part of the email. That's the first kind of thing you need to tackle as you're writing the email. Why you? What does that mean? That means that having a compelling subject line that, you know, is a hook for the person kind of draws in their attention and then that first introductory line or paragraph clearly explains why you are reaching out to that person right that's that why you element hey dave i am reaching out to you because i just read your annual 10k report and i saw this or hey sam i am reaching out to you because on your linkedin it clearly says this that's that why you now part that's that first aspect of that email next aspect of the email is the why you now, right? So I've already established why I'm reaching out to you. Now let me establish why this is important to you now. And this is that middle paragraph where after that first paragraph where you've explained why you're reaching out and the research you did, now you're tying that research back to a compelling value proposition around how, that, around how your product can help that person. Or a better way to think about it is why would that person want to invest their time talking to you? right? What could they possibly learn from you that's helpful to them to be able to do their job better, right? So just following off of this Why You Why Now framework example, hey, Dave, I spent the morning reading your annual 10K report. I saw this in there. You know, I saw that data analytics for business people is very important. I also saw that you're hiring data analysts, right? That tells me that you're trying to keep up with all of the external demand for data from business people. What if instead of hiring more technical folks, you could bring in a technology that directly enabled your non-business, your non-technical business folks to answer their questions with data directly through the technology interface, right? Something like that. I'm just spitballing here. So that's that basic why you, why now framework. The last piece of it is a third paragraph, which with, with a very strong call to action, right? A strong call to action is calling out a specific day and time and saying, are you open to meeting next Thursday at 3 p.m. for a 20-minute call? 
a strong call to action that's clear, that's direct, and it's asking what you want from that prospect. So again, a summary of that why you, why now email framework and what you want to build into that library of semi-customizable temp semi templates is one, why you, why am I reaching out, first paragraph. Second paragraph, why you now, basically why should you care. And third paragraph, what do I want from you? Why am I reaching out? Why should you care? What do I want from you? That's the most basic email framework uh, to keep in mind for writing effective emails. Keep it as short as possible when you're reviewing and uh, looking over your emails for spelling mistakes. Look for any unnecessary words. If you see on any, uh, if you see any unnecessary words or any filler words, take them out of the email. Right? Brevity is king when you're reaching out to uh, senior level buyers. So make these emails as short as you possibly can. This is also a very good skill set to practice for your SDR career and the rest of your sales career. Writing is one of the most important skills salespeople can have. Just a, a side tip, if you, if you find yourself writing really long emails, a simple solution is just to break it up in half and only send half of the email that first touch and then save that last half of that email for a second or a third follow-up email. So we've talked about the sequence approach. We've talked about kind of what that why you, why now email is. You can build your collection of customizable templates as you start writing actual prospecting emails, right? So don't, you know, don't get anxious and don't feel like you need to have this beautiful library of, of semi-customizable why you, why now templates ready to go before you start this process. Because again, the reality is you're going to be running into these common triggers a lot. So just start writing the emails. And as you start writing emails that you like, just save off the ones that you like and you can start to reuse them. Um, at least 80% of that message, uh, again, for other prospects. That semi-customizable portion is, of course, that first why you aspect of the email is going to change depending on who you're reaching out to because the research is different depending on who you're reaching out to. So back to the sequence, right? We talked about we talked about the types of touches over what period. We talked about starting with that triple touch of email, phone, voicemail, and social on day one. And we talked about writing good why you, why now emails. Now let me give you a very quick kind of example of what a sequence would look like. Right, day one, we have that triple touch where we're sending a why you, why now email, we're leaving a voicemail, and we're sending a LinkedIn custom connection request. The good news is the voicemail and the connection request, you can reference the research that you used in your email, right? It's okay to use, and it's okay to use repeated research um, across the multiple channels. So that's day one. Day two, I'm gonna give that person a phone call. I'm not gonna leave a voicemail. Day four, which is two days later, I'm gonna follow up to my initial why you, why now email with either a use case story about a customer or an industry observation. Right? I'm not asking, hey, did you see my last email? Or hey, do you want to take a meeting? I am sharing. I'm making another deposit. I'm building the story that I want to tell to this prospect. And again, that next day, maybe two days later, you're calling again. You're leaving another voicemail. Maybe after that voicemail, this is the third touch we're on, maybe you start a new email thread and your subject line is no luck via phone. That's a subject line I've had a lot of success with over the years. Again, it prompts curiosity. And then people open that email and the first line is kind of that why, why you part. It's, 
hey, Sam, I just called and left you a voicemail. You know, I saw this on your profile and it, it prompted me to reach out. It's kind of like a built-in custom email. A couple days after that, you're going to want to send a full LinkedIn in-mail, kind of another why you, why now trigger email, but just through LinkedIn. The next day, you're going to follow up with another why you, why now trigger email and another call. A couple days after that, another call, another voicemail. A few days after that, you're going to reply to that most recent trigger email with uh, some sort of resource, right? Maybe you share a white paper, maybe you share an interesting article. A couple days later, you're going to reply to that email again, right? We're building that story and we always want to reply to very good why you, why now emails. So maybe that third reply is another use case share, right? Talking about a similar customer in a similar industry and the business impact that your product or service provided them. We're getting near the end of the sequence here, guys, right? So maybe you wrap it off with another social touch, another couple of voicemails, and the best way to end you know, any sequence is with that breakup email, right? A classic breakup email is subject line, just busy or not interested, and the, the body of the email is very simple, and it's, hey, I've been reaching out to you for the last couple of weeks. Could you let me know if you've been too busy to reply or if you're simply not interested, right? You guys would be surprised at the simplicity and the impact of that email. A lot of people actually do get back to you and say, hey, sorry, sorry, I've been seeing your stuff. I do want to talk. I've just been busy. 80% of people are going to say, screw off, I'm not interested. But the 20% of people, um, it will prompt them to spend some time with you. If you have a sales automation tool, leverage it heavily. Right? I, I, I've used Outreach, Sales Loft, MixMax, Groove, Yesware in the past. They all serve the same purpose. But what you can do is you can build a skeleton sequence where what I mean by skeleton sequence is there's no scripts or there's no templated emails, but it kind of outlines the touch pattern that you're going to reach out to over the next four or six weeks period for these people. And it keeps you on it keeps you on brand or on pattern about when and where and what type of outreach you're supposed to do to that specific prospect. What you can also do with these sales automation tools is you can start to add in some of those semi-customized uh, trigger templates into the tool as one-off templates. And you can easily grab them and easily put them into your emails and then just do that little customize, customizable part and send that off. You can also set up uh, sales automations tools where maybe you add five or 10 most commonly used use cases in as snippets or little templates, and then you can easily copy and paste those into the emails you're writing. Right, basically with sales automation tools, you wanna set them up where all of the pieces of the puzzle are housed inside the tool, and you know, your job is to put together the puzzle pieces based on the individual that you're reaching out to, and execute on the activity. So we've covered kind of the sequence and the outreach motion. Now let's talk about how we find quality outbound leads and how we do our research leading up to that first, you know, triple touch part of that rest of that sequence. So I always break up finding good outbound leads into two buckets. The first bucket and the bucket you should start with is what I call low hanging fruit. These are kind of warmer outbound leads and you have to do a little digging to find them. But again, like doing research, you just have to know where to look and you will be able to find them very efficiently. So types of low hanging fruit are obviously disqualified opportunities, right? If you're coming into a new territory, who have we had conversations in the past with? 
So dig through your CRM, understand who we've had conversations with the past, look them up on LinkedIn, cross-reference that they're still with the company, and then you can put them into that targeted outbound approach. And you really don't need to do too much research because they've already talked to you and that is the main reason that you're reaching out. But find these people, put them into the targeted out, outbound sequence and start reaching out to them immediately because you know, you're probably gonna get higher than 30 or 40% reply rates from these people because they know your product. Second type of low-hanging fruit is disqualified leads. These are a little less effective than disqualified opportunities because they haven't exactly spoken to you in the past, but they have engaged with your marketing content. So chances are that they're a little bit warmer than a traditionally cold outbound lead. And again, if it has any pulse, if it's a little bit warm, that's what you wanna prioritize first before we move downstream to the true cold outbound prospects. Two more quick tips for finding low-hanging fruit are leveraging LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Um, one of my favorite advanced searches that you can do, and I break this down in my outbound process manual, is you can set up a LinkedIn advanced search for any relevant decision makers at your current accounts who previously worked for companies that are currently using your product. That might have been a little bit, little bit confusing, but an example there is you know, somebody at Apple who is a target of yours used to work at Best Buy, and Best Buy is a current customer of your current product. You basically, you wanna find that information so that you can reference to the person working at Apple, hey, I saw you used to work at Best Buy, they use our product to do X, Y, and Z. Is this something that you, you'd like to learn a little bit more about? Right? That is very low-hanging fruit because it's like a disqualified opportunity. You're referencing something legitimate and powerful. You're sharing kind of a business impact around the use case that, that you're providing and the business value you're providing that customer, and you're asking for time. Right? That's a repeatable, scalable, effective process. Repeatable, scalable, and effective are things you want to think about when you're doing outbound prospecting. So those are the low-hanging fruit buckets. Those are kind of what you want to, those are the leads you want to source and start reaching out to right off the bat, right? Maybe this whole process of finding and reaching out to low-hanging fruit takes a month. However long it takes, you want to move off of it fairly quickly and move on to really the meat of the outbounding prospecting. The meat of the outbound prospecting, this is really where you're rolling up your sleeves and you are finding the, the three to five key contacts who you believe are the decision makers and who your field counterparts want to speak with initially. Um, you want to identify three to five of these types of people per account, right? So a great starting point is do an account prioritization exercise, kind of stack rank all of your accounts and then start from the top. Take five accounts at a time. So pick those top five accounts and then start doing the research. Your goal is to find between 15 and 25 total contacts at those five accounts that you and your field executive counterpart want to speak with. These are the people, right? These are the key people at the key accounts, and this is why it's so important to reach out with the quality first approach, right? These are the people you do not want to burn the bridge with. Um, and these are the people that it's worth the upfront investment doing the research and reaching out in a quality manner because they, ex they appreciate it. They get a lot of crappy sales outreach. And if you're reaching out in this highly qualified, highly researched manner, they're gonna respect that and they're gonna give you time. The other thing um, is once you identify these key people at these accounts, 
figure out a way to market, whether it's in your CRM or whether you're creating a, an Excel list, you know, that's a, a comprehensive list of all these people. However you do it, you want to find a way to centralize this list of people so that you can reference it over time and you can go back to it, right? So something that I always did was I would create a, a report in Salesforce and I would add a description on a lead or a contact that was very unique. Like maybe I'd call it Sam Crew May or Sam Crew June. And then I would create a report and I would look for any lead that had that Sam Crew June description on it. And for me, that was a way of isolating this specific list of leads that I was reaching out to in this very customized outbound way. And this just helped me never lose sight of them, right? I would reach out to them for about a four to five week stretch. And then maybe in another six months, I'm going to circle back and run a same play on them, right? Again, with that building the story over time, these are the people who you want to be on their radars. So we're never going to give up on them. So this is really the crux of the outbound targeted strategy, guys. It's all about you know, that, that strong sequence that is about 20, 25 touches over four to six weeks. It's all about understanding what triggers are most common in your business, understanding where to find them, and then mapping those back to semi-customizable trigger email templates that you, can quickly, that you can quickly use and quickly customize and quickly send off. And then it's all about knowing where to find warm outbound leads and then how to find the key three to five decision makers at each one of your target accounts in your territory, right? That's the crux of the process. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of cold calling. But trust me, over time, this process is going to net you between 30, 40% reply rates, guys. Thanks.